What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Gunter. And today we are joined by Dr. Colleen Hacker. So now usually when I try and put these intros together, I try and dig into their bio. I, I try and pull out a couple snippets and... <laughs> This was one of the most challenging bios to put together, and that's quite simply because there are too many accolades to count. Uh, so for those who don't know, Dr. Colleen Hacker, she works as a mental skills coach. Uh, you can think about that as like a sports psychologist. And in total to date, she has worked on six different Olympic Games coaching staffs. So originally, she's probably most notable for her work with the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. So she's been working with them since 1995, and she has been a part of some of the most memorable moments, I would say not just in American sport, but in sport of the last you know two plus decades. So some of those really memorable uh, soccer victories, like the one over China in 1999 that ended in the dramatic penalty kicks at the end with Brandy Chastain sliding on her knees, ripping her jersey off. She was a part of all of that. And uh, when you listen to those women talk about their experience, a lot of them cite Dr. Colleen Hacker as being absolutely instrumental to her success, excuse me, to their success. So, you know, it's it just so interesting to hear about the way that she has helped the mental toughness for teams and individuals. And in addition to her work with Olympic teams, she works with a countless number of professional uh, elite athletes. So everywhere from the MLB, NFL, PGA, and she also helps top corporate executives as well, you know, make sure that they're performing at the highest level. So this is one of those shows that I had had circled on the calendar and I was so excited to talk to her. And, uh, I, I hope you'll find that our conversation did not disappoint. We talked for maybe 55 minutes, but I could have gone another two hours just asking her questions. I, I thought her perspective was really refreshing. And one of the things that I, I really loved is she talked about the kind of foundational principles of a good set of mental toughness. And she talked about the two traits that are most common among elite, elite performers. And it's the two traits that actually separate them for the rest of the pack. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. I, I know you will. With that in mind, if you're enjoying the show, please do let us know. If you would, leave us a rating and review, especially in iTunes. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, feel free to go to KenGunter.com. You can contact me there. We have our email up there. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, where each week I'm trying to do a better and better job of incorporating things that I've also learned from guests on the show as it pertains to working out. Uh, so you can see what some of that looks like in action. Hopefully I'm doing it the right way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, please feel free to get in touch. Love hearing from you. And with that, let's start the show. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. Yeah, I gotta get going. I gotta talk to you. It's time to start the show. First and foremost, uh, thank you for joining the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Yeah. How, how has uh, everything been going on your end in this kind of new disrupted world that we've been living in lately? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I've now adopted the language of the uh, Starbucks CEO, the new Starbucks CEO. Instead of the new normal, he just calls it the now normal. The now normal. So, yeah. The now normal. So I'm trying to just focus on 
you know, what's my job today? What's the task today? Do that as well as I can. Rinse and repeat the next day. I mean, yeah. it, it is it is a different world, uh, you know, an unplanned, uh, unpredictable, but, you know, such is life, such is yeah. life. You know, it's interesting. I. <laughs> I find myself at times because I, I live out in uh, eastern Pennsylvania and, you know, we're in almost like a rural suburban area. In a lot of ways, we're kind of insulated from what's going on. I, like I have friends who still live in New York City and I mean, their life has been turned completely upside down and it's tough. And in some ways, I'm like, man, I've almost adapted to this new way of living. And I, I feel like eventually, maybe in five, 10 years, I'm going to look back and realize, wow, that was actually such a crazy experience. I don't know if I really appreciated what kind of a, I don't know if a turbulent time is, is the right word, but just like, you know, a, kind of a, a historical moment that, that this first half of 2020 was. Yeah, there's no question. I, um, I didn't know which direction you were going with that, but um, <laughs> You know, Washington is has been hit pretty hard and now we're on yeah. an uptick again. So I've I've sort of ridden this roller coaster. I am really aware of the changes and I mm-hmm. wish I was more confident that the positive changes would take hold for people. Yeah. Um, a greater sense of of family, more time. Like the the number one thing that adults, you know, just lamented and you know, screamed about and they, you know, ostensibly uh, left jobs to spend more time with family. Now now folks have more time with family and kind of a mixed message, isn't it? I mean, what I'm seeing and reading and hearing and and it makes me sad. Now, other folks have really embraced it. Mm -hmm. I'll just use my workout today. Uh, I have a running route. I just have to go right out my house. I'm looking out there and there's old growth forest and running trails like I could throw a stone and hit them. And what I love is the most people that I pass on a run now is maybe four people. Mm -hmm. So, and that's like no cars, no people. Oh yeah. And I'm pat, you know, and I'm passing all these sort of points where there could be people outside and being active or doing something that's, that's green for lack of a better way to say it. And so I'm really aware of um, one of the things I do with my corporate clients is try to encourage them to oscillate that that every 90 minutes we're doing something different. And Mm. I try to to live that life myself. And so I'm really aware of time at home and time with family and workout time. And it's really up to me how I orchestrate my day now, you know, other than the required you know, business responsibilities that, that most people have. And let me use that as an example. I'm grateful to have those business opportunities. When I look at, when I look at, you know, what you're seeing in terms of uh, people applying for, you know, benefits and being out of work or furloughed, Mm -hmm. uh, I just know for me, uh, I feel like I've always been this way, Ken, but I'm much more aware on a daily basis of, touch points of gratitude and touch points uh, of awareness and opportunities. And I, I feel fairly uh, good uh, to be honest about that. I've tapped in to, 
um, my awareness and my gratitude each and every day. And so I think it's, it's allowed me to, to maybe negotiate uh, really the, the upheaval for many, many families, yeah. many, many families. Yeah, it, it's funny. I was having a conversation uh, with someone else who was on the podcast previously, and I, I think there has historically, everyone's like, I wish I had more time at home. I wish I had more freedom. I wish I had a better work-life balance. And it does feel to an extent, it's those same people that are now saying, I need to, I need to get out of the house. I got to get back to work. Like, it's almost as if like, yes, the grass is always greener, but I think, you know, to an extent, like, and I, I can count myself in this group of people from time to time too. Like it's easy to get addicted to the rat race mm-hmm. and you love to say the right thing that I wish I had more time with my family. I wish I had more quality experiences in my life, mm-hmm. but kind of when almost forced to take advantage of those opportunities, you kind of like default back to, uh, I don't know, your, your habits. Right. And you kind of have like, you've become accustomed to this, overworked, uh, constantly busy. Um, and that's, that's, yeah. So I, I hear you on the necessity to like have gratitude, have awareness. I just think, and I don't mean this as an indictment. I truly mean this as an observation. I think for many folks, you have to look in the mirror. I mean, this is a real Mm. soul searching, be honest, own it moment. And I think I you know, I say, are you in the window room or the mirror room? And I think we need to be in the mirror room and say, who am I? I mean, I've been saying all these things. Mm. I've been purporting to believe and value all these things. Okay, here it is. Yeah. You know, the, the age old, the age old questions, do your actions reflect your values? Yeah. And, and what I've learned is that we make time for what we prioritize. So, mm. what you know, we're so... We're so, uh, we get a pass by saying, I don't have time to do that right now. I mean, the number, mm-hmm. I don't have time. I really like to do that. I don't have time to do that right now. And I'd yeah. like to fix those stairs, but I don't have time to do that right now. I'd like to walk with the kids, but I don't have time to do that right now. I'd like to feed the dog. I'd like to walk the dog. I don't have time to do that right now. And I challenge people, instead of saying, I don't have time to do that right now. If I took that sentence out of the, out of your vocabulary and you now had to say, I hear you, but that's not a priority for me. Yeah, I hear you. That's not a priority for me. Right. And if we had to wear that sentence, we don't like wearing that sentence. So we don't. We never Mm -hmm. wear that sentence. But saying, oh, I'm too busy. I don't have time. Pass. Got a lot going on now. I'd love to. Pass. We give ourselves a pass and we get a pass when we say we're too busy or we don't have time. But when we say it's yeah. not a priority, I think it feels different. And I think we ought to live with that uncomfortableness. Let, let me just use a Let me use a simple example. Yeah, please do. In the good old days, when I used to go to, the, to my fitness center to work out, I'd leave the car, go in. Immediately start working out, either my warm up or ab work or whatever. Just yeah. leave the car, walk 30 steps, start working out. Mm-hmm. And I was working out facing the windows. This You can tell the impact this made. Remember, I'm telling this story because of owning it's not a priority for me. 
Yeah. And I saw these two mothers pull up side by side in the parking lot outside the fitness center. And I'll shorten the story to, to, to spare everybody the, the pain <laughs> of it. But it took them 27 minutes. Now, first of all, it should frighten you that I timed it. But I have a feeling you can relate to distances and time. and oh, yeah. But I timed it 27 minutes from the moment they pulled in in adjacent parking spots till they got the, the um, strollers out of the car, the hmm. kids unbuckled from their child seat, yeah. transferred into the – in other words – I was working out nearly 30 minutes in the time it took those two mothers just to get things together to start working out. And my point is for those two mothers, working out was a priority. Yeah. And so they made time. Yeah. And if I had a dollar for every parent, I really like to work out, but man, once I became a dad, I mean, oh, there went the work. Once I became a mom, there went the workouts. Yep. You find time for what you, for what's a priority. And I just, I just lift up those two mothers 27 minutes before they could hit their watch. They were going for a run by the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, where is it? My watch is hidden, but you know, (laughs) I'm working out for 30 minutes and in 27 minutes before they could hit go. Yeah. Because it matters to them. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny that we're talking about this um, because I, I just had a conversation with my wife. So I, I have one of those personalities where if I didn't have other folks dependent upon me, I would have no problem working around the clock. Like I have, I'm in, I'm in, I work in tech, I work in sales and I'm now doing this right. podcast. Like right. I start to get, if I start to get idle, I'm immediately, I'm up on my feet doing something around yeah. the house. And I'm, yeah. I'm starting to realize that as I get older, right. uh, and it's funny, I just recently, I know that we weren't expecting to talk about this, but I've had those moments of realization, you know, where it's like I have three young kids and now is the best time. Uh, and what am I choosing to prioritize? You know, you always have this vision. It's like, well, I just got to get to a certain point or a certain level of success mm-hmm. and I need mm-hmm. to get to that place. And it is uncomfortable to address it. It's like, am I really making the conscious choice to prioritize something else over like this precious time with my kids or to mm-hmm. your point, like am I, what, what else am I prioritizing over like my own health and well-being and like making the time to work mm-hmm. out. And it's hard, but uh, I love that example of like the mirror. It's like time to reflect a little bit on, you know, to what extent do your actions actually reflect the values that you've kind of been touting up until this point. Right. Right. Uh, and and again, I want to emphasize, I don't say it as a gotcha. I don't say it to call people out, but I say it because I just think we're not being very honest. And so when mm. you don't start from an honest place, I'm not sure what you move forward into. And I yeah. think it's really critical. And And again, I'm going to come back to that phrase, do our actions reflect our values? I know our language reflects our idealized self. That I'm clear on. Everybody's language, you know, depends on the person, but it goes family, faith, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, we just have yep. it memorized. We just, we just 
are constantly giving that acceptance speech in our, our daily life. Pitch. Yeah, yeah, when we get to the microphone, we're going, okay, uh, how did you spend the first two hours when you got home from work? Right? Right. Or what did you do before you went to work? Or on and on and on. And how many hours are you working? And how many times are you checking the phone? I mean, I just, I smile at so much. Like I'll, I'll watch people shop. I'll watch a mother and daughter, a father and family shop and everybody's on their phone. And yet if you ask them, what did you do today? They'd all say they went shopping together, but nobody was in the same place at the same time with the same people. They were physically present but they weren't together. Yep. And I, again, it, this isn't, uh, it isn't an indictment on cell phones, right? Mine's not right. very far away. It's just being honest and accurate and aware and then owning it. Yeah. And I think, I, I actually think it would be freeing. I actually think it would be helpful. Um, and I think we'd be living more authentically if 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 we were a little more honest. Yeah. And I think, too, everything that you're saying requires that the individual take that time to reflect, because I think a lot of this is just habitual. Right. And to, you, you don't 100%. even. Re- yeah. You don't even realize, um, even though now you're given this, you know, for some people are out of work and it's it's obviously horrible. And to your point, got to be grateful if you still are in work, but it could almost just be habit. Like you're just keeping the grind going. And so it's like, you have to stop and reflect and you might not like what you find. And there might need to be some course correction that takes place, but it's that, that, that just the pausing to recognize to your point, do your actions reflect your values? I love that. Right. Right. And, and I just, I just say, absolutely. Self-reflection, honest, Critical, not as in negative, but critical, as in critically evaluate. Look, look at what's yeah. happening. I, I just say amen to that point that we critically evaluate who we are, what we're doing, where we're spending our time and energy, and then ask at the end of the day, is that is that the honest vision that I that I want for myself? Again, are those my priorities? Not what I say, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the adage, and I try to change it a little bit because otherwise people just just tune you out. But what you do speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying, right? Yeah. Just a little bit of a play on that old adage. What you do speaks so loudly that yeah. I can't hear what you're saying. And there's, you know, there's eyes upon us all the time. And, and I mean that in a, in a really healthy way. Like all of us serve as role models for mm-hmm. other people, all or can and, and and often do. So, you know, who who are we and right. how have we constructed self? You know, I look at the clients that I work with, Ken, and you mm-hmm. know, they didn't just happen to become world champions. They didn't they weren't out for a run and then all of a sudden decided, you know, they're at Olympic level. I mean, this was this was a, a plan. This was yeah. the goal. This is the work. This is the priorities. This is a a daily quest to say yes. And with every yes, there's an equal and opposite no. 
right? right. Every time you're doing something by default, you're not doing something else. Yeah. So it's the same in all of our lives. I mean, it, the process isn't different. The outcome is different. The notoriety mm-hmm. is different. The pay scale might be different. <laughs> the rewards yeah. might be different. But for my experience is the process is very, very similar. Yeah. Oh, that makes, uh, that makes total sense. Um, so, and you mentioned, right, the, the athletes that you work with, and it, it sounds like you're also doing things on the corporate level as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, th- this might be a broad question. Um, I Number one, I was so excited to have this conversation today <laughs> because of just all of the things that you've been a part of that, like for me in my life, and I imagine a lot of people in my generation were such like pivotal, lasting moments in sport. Like, I mean, I remember I was born in 87. So I, I remember like the 96, uh, I think it was the 96 Olympics, right? 90, the 96, and then 96 the 99 Olympics, World Cup. first gold medal, first gold medal in women's soccer was the 96 games. Oh yeah. my God. I mean, I vividly remember that. And yeah. as I get older, like there's, there's less and less that I vividly remember. So it's, <laughs> it's notable that that stands out. Um, so I have a ton of questions for you, but you know, your title, I feel like more broadly and stop me from getting into this incorrect is, is mental skills coach. Yeah. I think that's the most inclusive performance enhancement specialist. If you get out of sport, right. Mm. Then the language change, but yes, mental skills coach and, and there's certifications and credentials and everything else that, you know, you may or may not want to get into. And, And the only reason I bring that up is because I'm living in the world that it seems to me that everybody who's accomplished anything all of a sudden now is a purported expert on mental skills. Um, (laughs) It it doesn't quite work that way. Um, You know, I think Instagram might have a little bit of a role to play there as well. You know, because you built a deck at your house doesn't make you a general contractor. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, credentials and education become important, especially in this time that people vet who they're hearing from and make sure that they, you know, they, they have the competence and the credentials to speak, but yes, mental skills coach. And I do, I probably, uh, you know, the easiest thing I say, and, and, uh, I will say that my actions do reflect my values. I really have three jobs. I'm a tenured full professor at a private liberal arts university I am a mental skills coach to male and female Olympic and professional athletes in a variety of sports, some of which I can talk about and some of which I can just say, you know, the area like NFL or Major League Baseball rather than individual names Uh or Olympic swimmers or whatever it might be or PGA golfers. Where with 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 U.S. (laughs) soccer and USA ice hockey, I can talk about those teams in particular because they've gone public with our work together. So there's, that's, that's why, but yes, I mean, I'm even in the midst of it. And then the other third is, is, uh, corporate consulting and corporate keynote. So I love what I do. I love what I do. I'm around some of the most high achieving, most goal directed, mm. most, most successful human beings in their sphere, literally in the world, not literally the way people say literally, but they mean figuratively, actually, yeah. literally. 
And I love that. I absolutely love what I'm privileged to do. Yeah. And so I, I feel like the, someone here's mental skills coach, they, they might have a perception of how you're helping these elite high achievers, you know, reach some sort of peak performance. But I guess from your perspective, you know, like how, how would you describe what, what you're doing for your clients? Yeah, it might seem like an odd beginning, but how you phrased that question reminded me of it. First of all, I'm not a clinical psychologist, right? My Mm. PhD is on the education side. So I don't work with individuals who have clinical depression. I don't work with individuals who are referred to mental for mental health services. So there's a difference between performance enhancement and mental health support. Hmm. And right now in the public, they're getting, they're getting conflated. People think mental health is mental skills. It's, those are two different careers, two different professions, two different areas of expertise. For lack of a better way to say it, I work with normal, uh, non-clinical elite superstars. Yeah. They're fantastic at what they do but I'm not seeing them for clinical issues, right? Yeah. And I'm gonna say this because he's very public about it. There's gonna be a new HBO documentary. Michael Phelps. Oh, I was joking when I said his name earlier. I did not mean to. <laughs> listen, I'm gonna use that name to say, yeah, Michael please. Phelps is very public about his battle with depression. Yeah. Misty Franklin is very public with her mental health battles, also with depression. Those are mental health issues. I mm-hmm. work on the other side of, of the psychological sphere, and that is performance enhancement. Yeah. So back to your question, what do I do with athletes? The simplest way I say it is that each human being can has a performance gap, okay. a gap that exists between where they're currently performing and what's possible for that. Hmm. Um, I'm a, I'm a member of Marathon Maniacs, and it's an international running group, and, and I'm a half fanatic, right? It's, a, again, uh, these four guys created this international running group. And I look at your yeah. credentials, and I look at Ironman competition, and the reason I'm using that is for a lot of people in the world, being a multiple marathoner mm-hmm. would be a big deal. Right. When I'm talking to an Iron Man, I go, uh, yeah, I just, I just run marathons. I just, uh, yeah. I just, <laughs> well, and don't let, don't let me take. I, I do a decathlon. Don't let me take more credit than than I deserve. But, but, but you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's all relative. It's a yeah. You know, just keep moving. But my point is, everybody has a gap between where they are and where they could be. Yeah. And my goal. My hope and why clients hire me is on the psychological side to help narrow that gap, Hmm. to help narrow the gap between where they are and where they could be. Listen, they're already mentally tough or they wouldn't be world champions. They're already motivated or they wouldn't be major league all-stars. They're already goal-directed or they wouldn't be NFL quarterbacks. And I could go on and on and on. So I'm not giving them something they don't have. What we're trying to do is refine their skills that they have. 
just use any NFL team. You know, who, I don't Are you a Steelers fan? Are you a Browns fan? So are you a- I, I grew up in uh, Arlington, Washington, actually. So I, I know your neck of the woods well. So I'm a Seahawks fan. Okay, good. Great. So, so let's use the Seahawks. That's a great example because they have a full-time mental skills coach, right? Mike Gervais. So they don't have Pete Carroll coaching them because they don't know how to play football. Right. They don't have a quarterback's coach because Russell Wilson doesn't know how to throw the football. The reason I'm saying that is people don't hire me because they don't have something and they want it. They hire me because they have it. They have Mm -hmm. it probably more and better than most people, but they want to eke out that three to 5%. Yep. They want to get a little bit better in the key moments when it counts most, A, and B, they want to develop skills for for sort of in the on-deck circle for when they need them. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they've always been a starter, and now all of a sudden they're coming back from a season-ending injury. That's mm-hmm. a new scenario. Yeah. Maybe they've been an NFL player for 10 years but they've never played in the Super Bowl. You see where I'm going? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you don't is, mind, oh, go ahead. Even at an elite level, these folks are dealing with issues of confidence, concentration, handling hmm. pressure, pre-game preparation, self-talk, being able to control the jitters, ramp it up, calm it down. I could yeah. go on and on and on. So just like, just like a strength and conditioning coach would work on different muscles. We're going to work on the traps. We're going to work on the delts. We're going to work on the biceps. We're going to work on the triceps. We're going to work on the quads, the hamstring. So all of those are different muscles, but they make the body stronger. Mm -hmm. I'm working on different mental skills that make athletes mentally tougher. Yeah. So that's why I think it's so interesting. Where do you begin your assessment when you're working with an athlete? Because I have to imagine, you know, a lot of this stuff is probably hard for the athletes to communicate. Uh, you know, I, I imagine oftentimes they, they maybe they com- communicate in vague terms like, well, you know, I just I get I get nervous in big moments or yeah. I lose focus or negative self-talk. And yeah. it, I feel like it's actually got to be something that and I could be wrong. So stop me. But it's got to be hard to kind of quantify some of this stuff. Well, you know, I, that separates the, the men from the boys and the girls from the women. Like there's a, there's a lot of folks with a PhD in this area. Yeah. And, and part of why the good people are good is because they can narrow it down very quickly and be accurate. Hmm. So I'm going back and forth with different professions, but can you imagine bringing your car to a mechanic saying this thing doesn't run. So the mechanic said, no problem, no problem. Come back, pick up your car. I changed out the battery. Great, awesome. Turn over your car. Yeah, it still doesn't run. Oh, okay, so the battery didn't do it. Let me let me give you a new starter, uh, okay? So you get where I'm going. So now you're yeah. all this money in and the mechanic's giving you a new this, a new that. None of that was the issue. So being able to accurately and fairly quickly identify where Mm. we can make changes and then identify how to make those changes, that's what separates people in different categories within this profession. But I will say to you, 
athletes don't talk in in the language in which I study or work. Hmm. But everything that you just said is actually very specific. Like, hmm. and, and a marathoner might say, man, as soon as I see that the co- race course is hilly or I check the weather and it's going to be rainy and windy, I can already feel that I start going negative. All that I think about. So it, they tell stories about what it's like for them. Yeah. And that's all a trained expert needs to be able to enter into that space. The, yeah. the honest answer to your question is where do I begin? I begin with the athletes. You've got to meet the athletes where the athletes are. Hmm. And there's this, this beautiful Zen proverb that says, the teacher appears when the student is ready. And so the athlete has to be ready. So it doesn't matter yeah. if I think they should be doing um, F and G. If the athlete's ready to do A and B, we're going to do A and B. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. So no, it, it does. It meet does. the athlete where the athlete is and, and the athlete is coming to you for a reason. They're mm-hmm. either coming to you to help with an issue. Let's talk about it. What is it? When does it happen? Um, is it recurring? Is it new? How does it affect your performance? Or as I say, they come to put money in the bank I love the JFK quote that says uh, the time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. Elite athletes do the work before they need it. They don't make excuses after the fact. That's one of the biggest differences between pretenders, right? Sub elite and elites. Like they don't have time to play the excuse game. Well, yeah, I just wasn't really ready for that. Or yeah, I just wasn't really mentally ready. Or yeah, I lost my focus. There's 10 other people coming in behind them. That's happy to take their place. They can't, they can't live in the excuse game world. And, and so they, they are really are willing to, to roll up their sleeves. And, and I'll just say, You know, when I think of the range of listeners you have, Mm -hmm. I don't, my youngest client was younger than 10 years old and he was a national level BMX racer. Like I didn't even know they raced BMX bikes at sub 10, but they do. (laughs) So when can you start mental skills training? You can start mental skills training when you're in kindergarten, when you're in first grade, but you talk about it differently. Right. So I might talk about stinking thinking with a little kid okay. <laughs> and I might talk about negative thought patterns with an adult. It's the same thing. Right. Yeah. So where I'm going with this is I don't care if you're five years old or you're a multiple Super Bowl champion or a multiple gold medalist. Every sport, every single sport is is built on four pillars. The okay. technical parts of your sport, which yeah. make it what it is. So if you're a triathlete, if you're a di- decathlon uh, guy, you know, how do I put mm. the shot? How, what's my javelin technique? It's the technique, mm-hmm. right? How to do it better. How do I shoot a free throw properly? The mm-hmm. second pillar are the tactics. And that's your either team plan or game plan. If I'm tennis, am I going to serve in volley? Am I going to be a baseliner? I think of Dan O'Brien, who I first met, right, Hmm. in the Olympic Games. Where do I set the pole vault? 
You know, if I set that pole vault too high and then I have three faults, right. I'm sitting at home as the world champion, I'm sitting at home watching the Olympic Games. That was a tactical error. That hmm. Just plain and simple, that was a tactical error. So you have technique, you have tactics. You have physiological demands of every sport. Yeah. Right? Strength, um, anaerobic, aerobic, flexibility, nutrition, and then you have the psychological dimension. Every sport at every level is comprised of those four pillars. And what I say to athletes is if you are not accurately and according to scientific principles, I don't live in wishes, hopes, and dreams and opinions. I would not be hired if I, well, this is my opinion. Yeah. And my clients would go, nobody cares. Um, <laughs> I got to live in the science world. And so if you're not accurately training across all four pillars, you uh -huh. are leaving your potential on the table. You are leaving yeah. some portion of your potential on the table. And in my world, in professional Olympic sport, they aren't able to do that and they aren't willing to leave some of their potential mm. on the table. They're trying to eke out every degree, every percentage, every improvement, because that is the difference at elite levels. Yeah. Well, and you said something too, you know, the mental skills training can start with someone who's a kindergartner. It's just, it's just putting it in their terms. And that, that makes me wonder, you know, from your perspective and knowing that you work with individuals at a really high level and that's incredibly specialized, um, you know, for people listening, they're probably like, okay, well, like, where do I start? You know, I, I might not be an Olympic athlete, but I have my own goals or like, I just want to be a better dad. Yeah. I, I want to show up and like perform better at work. Are there kind of like, you talked a little bit about pillars from a mental peak performance state. Are, are there like some key kind of um, like foundational principles or areas where people can start to focus and get educated on how to improve their mental game? Or what do you think? You know, yes, yes. Yeah. But you see me hemming and hawing because there's such a range <laughs> yeah. And the answer is yes, within that range. Like I could okay. deal, I could deal with three different athletes, and one is working on skills one, two, and three, and one could benefit from four, five, and six, and the mm. other from right seven, eight, and nine. So, so I think being well versed in all of the key mental skills areas is advantageous, so that you know. Yeah. And and I'm already giving a hint. They're skills. They are not abilities. They are not determined at birth. Uh, They're great, not hereditary, yeah. hereditarily determined. They're not biologically determined. Can certainly be influenced, but these are skills. And skills can be practiced, they can be developed, and they can be improved. Hmm. What would I say were, were common areas that I, that I would think anybody would benefit one is confidence. And that, that probably surprises a lot of people. They think, mm -hmm. man, you're, you're working with gold medalists. You're working with world champions. How's confidence an issue? Right. Well, the better you are, the more you understand how tenuous that performance is. Mm -hmm. And so at elite levels, confidence is a huge issue. You'll never hear them talk about it in the media you're never sure. going to hear them talk about it at a barbecue when we're allowed to have barbecues again. But it is an issue because, because 
so often your confidence is related to what your last performance was. Yeah. And so confidence really takes a hit. That was a good meet. Oh, my confidence in high, is high. That was my worst meet ever. Low confidence. That was a great performance. So for many people, confidence is a roller coaster. If hmm. you're in sales, you get those nine no's. Oh. It's hard to maintain your confidence. So that's why oh, I'm yeah. just trying to use both business and sport. I'd say, no, I love it. I'd say bringing confidence under control. Hmm. Uh, I make uh, not, it's not much of a joke. It's more an observation, but I think for many people, they view confidence like the weather. They wake up and they hope it's going to be a confident day. And it's like, doesn't yeah. work that way. You've got to make your own confidence and there's skills and techniques that we can use to do that. So I would say confidence. Okay. And it's, start, it's part of start. that too. And I, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, no, but no. You, you said something that's kind of, it's kind of resonating for me. And is it for elite athletes? And I, I mean, even put myself in this position, you know, it, it's kind of like you're tying your value to per performance uh, to an extent, right? Like you said, like it's these external factors that kind of dictate yep. your confidence. Um, and it kind of seems like you need to it somehow. And I imagine through these skills, you've got to uncouple that. You've yeah. got to uncouple two things. You've, you've got to uh, three things. You have to uncouple your identity from your performance. We are not yeah. our performance. The performance is behavior. It's mm. not who we are. So I also work with athletes in transition. I have mm, about three or four elite athletes. Anybody would know their names. Mm -hmm. And they started the work a year before their retirement because they knew retirement, the transition out of elite sport is a major challenge. And, oh, and so it's, it's harder if, you're, if you have what's called a sport identity that you view yourself as that, as your performance, as that yeah. person, because at, at some point we're going to have more birthdays. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and now the other side of it is, I guess that's why they have master's level um, competition, but you get my point. Uh, yeah. Is point you, taken. You, you sport identity is a challenge that you need to start working on very early and, hmm. and parents need to work on that with their kids you know, you are not just a volleyball player. You are not just a runner. You are not just, you're all kinds of things. And, and mm -hmm. I worry, like, I worry how COVID has robbed um, games and seasons from so many kids from, from youth to high school to college oh, yeah. to the pros, but they are more than, they are more than athletes. And mm -hmm. I, I'm struck by how the weighting of the media is on the athlete self and not as much on on all the other facets of who they are. I, I, anyway, yeah. that's that's just a, a an no, aside. I, but I sport can, I identity, to that, yeah. yeah, uncoupling confidence from performance. Hmm. So we want confidence to be tied toward to execution to to delivery of the plan. Like, did you stick to the plan? Did you follow your mile pace? Did you use the technique we've been working on? So we want to tie our focus on performance, not to outcome, but to the process. 
Yeah. Easier said than done. So we mm. want to uncouple sport identity. We want to focus on the process rather than the outcome or the product, right? Yep. And then three, in, in terms of who we are, we want to focus on the controllables, right? CTC, control the controllables. Mm. Okay. And I don't have control of the outcome. I could have, I could have put that shot further than I ever have and some other competitor did too and beat yeah. me by two inches. Like I can't control the competitors. I mm-hmm. can't control when the wind gust comes up. I can't yeah. control some. So when we focus our performance on what we can control and on committing to the plan and to our actual mastery of that mm. plan, then it's much easier to maintain confidence rather than the highs and lows that come with numbers, place finishes, or wins or losses. Right. Oh, that Hard makes... to do. Hard, yeah. Easy to say. Hard to do. That's why these folks are plugged in on a weekly basis, because just like they're going to practice every day and they're working on things every day or every week, that's why they're plugged into mental toughness training on a weekly mm-hmm. or bi-monthly schedule to get those reminders. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, you know, as a former athlete, I can completely relate to your saying both negatively, like, uh, you know, having my identity tied up in like, did we win the game? Did we win the championship? Um, but, you know, even now in the like corporate arena, as a salesperson, it's still a measurable outcome. The scoreboard has just changed. You bet. Right. So I love, I love that. It's like, focus on what you can control. Are you doing the right things to execute? Right. Uh, Are you making the calls? Are you making the calls? If you're, I don't know if I'm not asking you to divulge, but you know, are you (laughs) making the number of calls that you should be making daily or weekly? Because when your confidence goes down, what happens? I don't even want to pick up the phone. I don't even want to reach out because I know how this is going to go. So are you hitting your numbers? Not in mm-hmm. sales, but your numbers of attempts, right? Yep. What about what you're offering to the people that you're calling or meeting with? So yeah. are you controlling your message? How could you improve that messaging? You know, mm-hmm. what should I've done this differently? Should I've done that differently? Should I emphasize this? Could I be more prepared? Uh, did I know enough about that person? Did I know enough about their company? There's always work to do. Yeah. And as long as you focus on what you can do, most people that are like you or like me, I like work. I, I mm-hmm. want I want meaningful work. But yeah. when I'm when I'm working and I got nothing to show for it, that's when it gets demoralizing. Mm-hmm. But when I can focus on work that has meaning. And, and when I say meaning, yeah, that was an excellent pitch. Like, it's their loss where you can walk away from yeah. a no and say, you know what? Nailed it. Mm-hmm. They're going to call me in six months and I'll probably be nice and respectful instead of saying, <laughs> I told you so six months ago, right? I knew you'd be back. Exactly. But it's that yeah. feeling. It's that feeling like I did everything I could. It's the corporate equivalent of leaving everything out on the field. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you know, it makes me think too, it's, it's kind of the idea, like if your plan was solid and it should set you up for success and you executed, um, you know, one, hopefully the results, the, the score will end up being what it's supposed to be. Um, but it kind of, and maybe this is something we could talk about too. It kind of helps build in some of that resilience when times are bad. Yeah. Let me just use football. Uh, yeah, soccer. please. Let me use soccer as an example. If you're a goal scorer, if you're a, a forward, it, de- it depends on the level. It depends on the gender. But generally, mm-hmm. you will take 10 shots to, to score a goal. 10 shots to score a goal. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of no's. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a that's, lot of no's. That's worse than being an all-star baseball player. It's yeah. Like, so, yeah. It, you know, go, go to baseball. If you, if you retire – with a 333 batting average, you're in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. Yeah. 333, you're in the Hall of Fame. Yep. So you you I'm not talking about ignorance, I guess is what I'm saying. It's not like, "Oh, great, another no. I love no's. I hope I get 5,000 right. yeah. more." But it's really understanding that each shot brings me that much closer to a goal. It's that way to reframe it. Hmm. Um that that I've missed eight, man, two more, and I got my goal. It's that, right? you know, there's this wonderful story about uh, Andy Roddick, top five tennis player in the world, and he was going up against Federer, and it's like, you're 0 for 12 against Federer. I mean, how do you feel going into this match? And everybody's like, uh, do you want us to tell you? Because we know the answer to this one. And he goes, you know what? In my entire tennis career, from when I was a junior to a young pro, no player in the world has ever beaten me 13 times. No player ever. Now, it didn't have to turn out this way. It didn't have to turn out this way, but he actually won that match. That's awesome. But he didn't have to win that match for that story to hold. Like, you, you have to... You've got to anchor yourself in possibilities. Yeah. Or you've already written the outcome. You have already written the outcome if you don't anchor yourself in possibilities. Every pass pass attempt is not a completion, right? Mm. Every every handoff isn't a, a run for a touchdown. So you have to know your craft. You have to know your industry. And 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 those scales move in soccer. It's 10% in baseball. It's 20 to 30% in others, right? It's like you you have to know your craft and, and, and all Mm. those numbers change. They're not finite. Yeah, no, I I love that. And uh, you know, it's something ironically, we were just talking about this at work. It's is one you can imagine. This is a pretty difficult time for anyone in the economy, especially to try and be selling something. So it's like, we need to double down on the right actions. Let's figure out like how many of those actions it typically takes to get a sale. Um, you know, and then just like from there, we got to be strategic and executing. Um, so this is, highly relevant. So I, I know we're, we're, we're buttoned up against time here, but, yeah. but let me ask you this, uh, you know, you, you've kind of touched on some of these things and hinted at it. Are there like a set of mental, I, I guess, skills or traits that tend to separate like the 
elite, elite performers from the pros, the average. Yeah. Okay. You're holding up two fingers. Okay, there, let's is. Go. there is. <laughs> uh, Dr. Gould at Michigan State studied and colleagues looked at 20 years of Olympic success. Hmm. And they looked at what, what made Olympians different from non-Olympians, medal winners, I mean, that's the million dollar question. What, what, right. if you're going to, if you're going to narrow it down, what do you want to focus on? And what the research fairly consistently shows is there's two qualities. Hmm. And I don't care if you're an artist, a business person, um, a parent, an elite athlete, a dancer. I don't care what it is. Yeah. These two qualities are something that anybody can lock onto. One is intrinsic motivation. Okay. And intrinsic motivation as opposed to extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation simply said, you're doing it because you want to, not because you have to. Mm. What do we have to do for fitness? We don't have to do anything for fitness, but this is what you get to do. Yeah. How many calls do I have to make? You don't have to make any. <laughs> But if you want to make sales, you're going to have to make about 40 this week. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. It's wanting to do it. It's, yeah. it's believing in what you're doing because you value it, because you mm. see the inherent value and yeah. you, you enjoy it and you pursue it for its own sake. So you, you're going to pay me to do that? Awesome. That kind of a right. feeling. You know, yeah. I get to go to the Olympics for being great at this. Great. I'm there. It's that yeah. intrinsic want to motivation. And the second characteristic that's a separator is mental toughness. Mm. And I will simply say this. Yeah. Everybody thinks they're mentally tough. Everybody thinks they're mentally tough. Well, we got a problem there. And what I would say is most of us never, I don't need mental toughness for this interview. Yeah. I don't need mental toughness to mow the lawn. I don't need mental toughness to help the kids with algebra. Well, maybe mm. I do for that one, but yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is everything doesn't require mental toughness. So when things are going well, when we're leading our normal lives, no mental toughness is required. Mental right. toughness only comes into play when you've failed, when you've lost, when you've experienced a setback, when mm. you've been severely criticized or reprimanded by a significant other. Mm. Your underling at work says you're a jerk. You're going to go, okay, so what? And move on. Right. But, but your boss tells you that you're terrible. Ugh. So yeah. So mental toughness only is required when there's that one of those negative events. And so it's the ability to with grit and with resilience to come back from that quicker, to mm -hmm. not be undone by it. I use I use a V when I'm showing this to clients. Yeah. So you're going along fine. Now you have that mental toughness moment and you start to drop. Mm -hmm. And people with more mental toughness are going to come out of that V faster. They're going to drop and bounce back. Other people, it's going to go down, 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 mm. down. Then they yeah. might stay there longer. So now it's a, it's a V with a, with a horizontal 
And then they start climbing their way. But this is where you'll hear things like, it took me a year to get over that. It took me, my career was never the same after that. Mm. I changed jobs after that. I was never the same person after that. Um, Whatever it might be, um, it's that ability to extract the lesson from that negative event and to say, to in, so extract the lesson, incorporate it, and come out the other side stronger, wiser, more determined, more aware, more capable, um, yeah. more realistic, and not not be undone by it. So those two, it's a it's a great question, by the way. I wish more people asked that. Is hmm. if if you're only going to focus on two things, I would I would focus on intrinsic motivation and mental toughness. Oh, perfect! That's awesome. And I, I know we need to get going, and we, we could do. probably have done a whole hour on mental toughness. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much. This, this has been such a wonderful conversation. And for people who uh, would like to follow you or, or learn more about you, where where can I point them? Well, uh, I'm a faculty member at Pacific Lutheran University in Tacoma, Washington. Mm-hmm. So. I have a homepage there with all kinds of links and all kinds of connections um, at uh, Dr. Colleen Hacker on Twitter. And those are probably the two best, two best places. Awesome. We'll, we'll make sure to put that in the show notes and and thank you again. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun. You better go ask mommy, daddy. Eye of the tiger is the thrill of the fight. Rising up. Why are you uh <clears throat> why are you squirming? Ugh. <laughs> I was just uh I, I can't help think about mental toughness and not think Rocky, Eye of the Tiger. We talk about Rocky way too much on this podcast. I would argue we don't talk about it enough, actually. And maybe, maybe we get Sylvester Stallone on. <laughs> uh, Boy can dream. We can decide in post stop if uh we keep that in. Yeah. Okay. What a good show. I just listened to it back an hour ago. Same. And I am legit fired up. <laughs> I think she has just um, replaced my favorite episode. Yeah. Which is saying a lot. Yeah. Because you have a lot of favorites for those <laughs> keeping track at home. <laughs> they just keep on getting better. They just Kenny. keep on coming. That one was so good. And uh, the takeaways are both easy and tough this week. I mean, it was just like every five minutes was an awesome sound bite. Mm-hmm. Like, I think what's going to be even tougher for me is figuring out like, what do I use, you know, to like promote the show? Because there's so many, I mean, I have so many written down here. She is by far our most quotable guest. Oh, uh, that's a great way to put it. The most quotable. Everything she says is so profound. Yeah. And it was awesome. And I, I wish I had the video and I am working on that. It's, it's not as easy as it sounds. Um, but like talking to her was, she's very engaging. Mm-hmm. You, you get it from what she says, but like visually, uh, you can tell why like people love working with her and love having her come speak. She's just super inspiring. Yeah. So I thought it was great. And I think what a lot of people probably walked away thinking and wanting to know is how much mental toughness is required to be married to me. <laughs> That's what they're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you make it easy, Kenny. Really? Yeah. You're easy to live with. Wow. You don't pee on the toilet seat. <laughs> You always put it down. What else can a girl ask for? There's a very low threshold uh, (laughs) to make you happy. 
yeah, I would say uh, likewise for you. You know, mm-hmm. every day's a dream, yeah. and uh, I just have to pinch myself. And uh, okay, we can move on. <laughs> so uh, before we start. I thought it might be fun to talk about our new nighttime routine, talking about what's making time for what's important. Mm-hmm. Would you care to share uh, what we've been doing the last couple of days? Sure. Um, yoga and meditation. I know. Yoga and meditation. So yoga has, has taken a little bit of uh, not pr- maybe prodding from <laughs> you. I would say uh, the physique that I have built for myself over the last 15 to 20 years does not necessarily lend itself well to yoga. No. So <laughs> once we get the kids down. But I'm, I'm impressed with how well you've been doing. Not that I'm an expert by any means, but I can at least reach my arms over my head. Yeah. Well, we're getting there. I honestly feel like when I try and lift my arms over my head in certain positions, it's like my triceps are just tied to my lats. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> I, like, I feel like you're pretending not to be able to. It's crazy. We, we might need have to work to, on that. Maybe we'll have to post something to Instagram so people can see what we're talking about. Yeah. But oh my God, like there's literally though, and I try not to be that person who's like, oh, or, but you 100% are. Yeah. But there's some times where it just like, it's okay. It, we're in our living room. It hurts so good. Yep. <laughs> so I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the meditation's huge because it's so funny talking to all these folks and different topics come up. Anxiety living in a parasympathetic state, the inability to like shut it off, too many inputs. Mm -hmm. It's ironic that while I'm bringing all these guests, trying to share all these new like approaches and perspectives, I've kind of been like going back down a road myself of allowing myself, uh, not allowing myself rather, the time to like mentally breathe or like recover or like work on my own wellness. So we're trying to ramp that back up as well. And honestly, I mean, what we've done the yoga now, what, three nights? Mm-hmm. That's helping. I've been meditating. I think I've, I've hit like four or five days already this week. And I already notice a huge difference. Yeah, you're much more pleasant. <laughs> not to imply that <laughs> I ever This morning you snapped at me and then not even a minute later, you well, apologized and gave me a hug. Yeah, well, let's dig into that a little bit. Uh, can we start with perhaps why I snapped at you? Um, I scared you unintentionally okay i didn't even mean to Mm -hmm. scare you okay your reaction was not warranted okay the intent was not to scare me which i can appreciate and which is why i said hey i'm sorry i lightly (laughs) very very calmly snapped at you but uh yeah you walked in and you scared the bejesus out of me yeah and then it was like hey i tried to yell at you i was like well what were you yelling at me for to let you know i was coming so i didn't scare you yeah, so... And I was like, well, how the fuck does that check out? Because what you did was scare me by turning the corner and yelling at me. <laughs> no, I yelled at the end of the hallway before I got to the gym. There's a hallway in the gym and there's an air conditioner in the hallway. Yeah. So apparently he can't hear me over the air conditioner. You know what? I think what we need to do is take this up with uh, our HVAC guy, Steve. Mm. I think we just blame this one on him. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> but appreciate you taking the fall here. Really noble. Uh, so that's our new nighttime routine. Maybe, maybe we'll post about that. I I, honestly, I feel like it's making a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but it kind of falls in line with my first takeaway. Oh gosh. Please share. Do your actions match your words? (gasps) 
And that one kind that of was on mine too. I think I think <laughs> I think for people But what she said was yeah. I hear what you wait, hold on. No, 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 no. She said, What you do speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Yeah, that was pretty good. I have so many quotes, it was I so just, many quotes. I had to go through them. To just keep peppering them in. One. Yeah, I agree. And what what made me feel a little uncomfortable, and I imagine people who listen to this too, um, again, I think a lot of people are well-intended, mm-hmm. you know, but like it's hard to critically self-reflect and identify like, hey, are my actions actually lining up with like what I say my values are? And sh- what she says is if you can replace, uh, hey, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. I don't have time for that right now with, sorry, that's just not a priority for me it kind of makes you go <gasps> mm-hmm. like, oh man, is that really how I feel? Like it's telling my kid like, hey, I, I don't have time to like read you a story right now. Or hey, I'm sorry, I don't have time to go like run around in the yard with you. I'm yeah. too busy. If you replace it with sorry, like that's sorry, sorry, Harper. <laughs> that's not a priority for me right now. Like that literally made it's me. Crushing. Yeah, yeah I was sad. like, oh. And honestly, sad. since that conversation, I don't know if you've noticed this. Um, but I've, I've like really tried to like been running around the yard a lot more. I'm just crushing <laughs> it in the yard, building fairy houses. You uh, are, yeah. Yeah. We did build a fairy castle. Mm-hmm. A pretty, pretty darn good one. I might add, but no, it made me think like, damn, like, you know, I really try and be present. I don't do a great job of it. One of the reasons we're doing this yoga, this meditation, but, um, it's changed some of like the decisions I've made just over like the last few days. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, I could go back upstairs and check another email real quick or like, no, I could make the time to like spend, do something special with her yeah. because that clearly is my priority. I've just been, you know, uh, whether I'm consciously choosing to or not picking other things over it that I really don't value more than like our kids, you, other things are important to us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe we don't need to watch that episode of Billions. Maybe we need to meditate. Speaking of billions, oh, she's like the Wendy Damn Rhodes it. of elite athletes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she definitely is. And we mean that in the best way, Colleen. If you are listening and you, and you watch billions, uh, we mean that in the best way uh, to clarify. So that was a big one. It's not a priority for me. Um, actually, I'll kick it to you because you had some other really good takeaways that we agreed on. Yeah. I mean, you took a lot of my takeaways just in that first takeaway. Hmm. But um, another thing she said was every human being has a performance gap, a gap between where they're performing and what's possible for them. Yeah. Which like, like I know that, but like it's, I wonder what your performance gap is or mine is, you know? Yeah. I think it's, I think it could be anything. I think... If there's someone who's listening to this who loves athletics, but they're like trying to get something out of this for their job, there's a performance gap in probably like the way they're performing at their job. If mm-hmm. it's like your bench press, there's probably a lot more that you're capable of doing than you currently are. It's just like you need to figure out where opportunities to optimize it. If it's like mental, I mean, she hit on a bunch of them. Toughness, resilience. Um, I don't know. I think that's kind of what's exciting, though. Like the job, the work is never done. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's probably very few times in life and it would have been interesting to get her opinion on this. Like, do people ever actually reach their potential? I kind of hope not because then it's like, what's the fun? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Like I have all these, I'll call them silly fitness goals. 
But like, that's what keeps me really excited is like, I don't think I've hit my potential yet. Mm -hmm. And I've refused to believe that I'm on like the decline. Yeah, no, you're not. Well, thank you. But you know what I mean? Like (laughs) you're not either, Sonia. (laughs) Thanks, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I think you have so much potential, but I already think you're. Ugh, barf. Get out of here. Okay. Yeah, boy, I'm just (laughs) making people sick this one. They're like, ugh, stop meditating. We hate this new sappy Ken. Uh, but no, I agree. That was a really good one. And so that, that actually kind of goes in line with one that I had too, which is, and it was, I'm serious, really tough to like narrow these down, but she said something that I thought was pretty profound, which is anchor yourself in possibilities. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so that can tie back to a number of things she said, you know, one, like to be a hall of fame baseball player, you know, uh, you know, seven out of every 10 times you're going to get out. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you let those first six times in a row that like you get out, weigh you down, you're going to miss out on those next three out of four opportunities to actually get a hit. So it's like anchor yourself in the possibility that like this is about to turn around or that like you've put in the work you've um, you're executing against like the process that you've laid out for yourself. And it's just a matter of time before like those hits start coming in. Mm-hmm. And she gave the example of sales, which for me really resonated it's like hey you know that you have to do 40 calls to get one deal yeah in some businesses it's maybe it's like 40 calls to get one meeting Mm -hmm. and then you know you need to have 10 meetings to get an opportunity and then you know so it's like the amount of no's it takes to get to a yes and sometimes can feel very overwhelming and i can speak to this from experience especially in sales Mm -hmm. but it's like once you kind of like accept that and you realize it's just part of the game of getting you to your end goal, like it doesn't hurt as much and it's not as daunting. Yeah. I thought that was big. Yeah. And, and trust the Something process. else she said that kind of ties in with that is the biggest difference between a pretender and someone who's elite, mm. whether it's in athletics or sales or whatever you do for a living, is um, someone who's one. at a high level doesn't have time for excuses. Yep. Got to put in the work. Got to put in the work. No time for excuses. And it's true. Like when, so for like elite athletes, excuses literally get you nowhere Mm -hmm. because what you've done is measurable. It's on the field and no one's going to give you like a second pass. It's like, if you're not performing, like they're just going to put someone else in who will, they'll find someone who could do it. Yeah. I remember hearing that athletically. I mean, definitely in high school. It's like, listen, Kenny, if you can't get it done, like we will find someone who will. So I don't know what you got to do to get there, but like, I need you to get to the spot. I need you to box that guy out. I don't care if this guy's, you need to find a way to block him or like, we will find someone who can do it. No one's ever said anything like that to me. (sighs) I don't talk to you that way. (laughs) I should talk to you that way. Are you going to replace me? Like, what are you saying? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's why I don't talk to you that way. Uh, maybe we'll we'll talk to your dad maybe he can talk to you that way he can't replace me no that's okay he can't replace you either shit anywho that's not what I meant you know what I mean you are irreplaceable Uh, but no but so I I love that one right like there is no time for excuses Um, and like again tying it all back together if you're being critical and you're really being reflective an excuse will not get you to where you want to go mm-hmm it, it simply might serve the, the purpose of like kind of comforting your ego, but like the people who are great 
and actually get stuff done, like they just focus on what is going to move them forward. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we just recorded a really good podcast and I don't want to give anything away, but um, Alex Harrison had an awesome, awesome perspective on um, like mental toughness and resilience and to the extent that it's a choice for something that you're born with. Yeah. That I, I can't wait for people to hear. Cause it was at the end of the interview and it was kind of like, again, unintended. And I was just like, Oh, it's so good. Um, and it really relates back to this one, which is coming out. Yeah. So those were the, those were the big ones. Um, and then I, I'd be remiss not to say it. I know we're going a little long here, but there's just so much here. The two qualities she said that separate elite performers from just the average, again, like, you know, professional athlete or, or whatever realm you're in, uh, intrinsic motivation. Mm-hmm. So like they don't need to be pushed, which I, I identify that a lot in people who I see excel at a really high level. Yeah. Like you're not dragging them along. They're never being like pulled through a workout. Mm-hmm. They are like there to get better and like you don't have to tell them to do it. Yeah. And I think that can be built. I, I think like if you, if a person's like, oh man, sometimes I don't feel that way. Well, it's like, go back to what your goal is. Like, does your goal mean that much to you? Mm-hmm. And if it does, like, you know, just how bad do you want to get there? Put and in the work. yeah. And then it's, you know, that's a big one. And then mental toughness, which we could have done. I, I, I'm going to try and have her back at some point. Yeah. Cause I know just to talk about mental, toughness. just to talk about mental toughness. <sighs> Anything we missed? I feel like I'm super mentally tough. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm not. Whoa. I would say you are. (laughs) Really? I would say you are. Tell me why, Kenny. Compliment me. No, I I would say you are um, much more mentally tough than maybe you would give yourself credit for. (laughs) Um, I mean, I don't. I, I need an example. Well, I don't know what you want me to share. Uh, but no, I mean, there, there's a lots of things, right? It's like, there's so many times, you know, not to get too, uh, personal, but like in our <laughs> marriage, like I'm sure it would have been easier to be like, no, nah, this is really difficult. Like I, it could be much easier somewhere else. <laughs> uh, you know what? I guess kind of want to throw my hands up and start over with someone else because like, this seems like it's going to be a lot of work. Who and can uh, I find that will take care of me and my three children. Okay. Well, uh, yes, I have, I have laid <laughs> this went down. down a weird path. Let's No, up. That's a good example. <gasps> yeah. That's, I mean, what's more important than that in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I don't know. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Like you've pushed through some really tough yoga workouts. They'd be like, uh, unsubscribe. Um, <laughs> last thing I want to ask you, does the Brandy Chastain slide shirtless slide mean anything to you? No. So you don't even remember that? No. From like the 1999 World Cup, U.S. women beat China, penalty kick. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yes. So you do remember that? Yeah, and she ripped her shirt off and she was wearing her sports bra. Yep. very scandalous. Yep. Yeah. That moment, like I just, I I was, I said on the show. I don't remember her name, but I remember the image. Okay, okay. Doing it. Yeah, it was such like a definitive moment in like sports and women's sports history. Um, and I would just say in American sports, because like mm-hmm. the whole U.S. was watching that game. It was such a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder if we could get Brandy on the show at some point. That would actually be pretty cool. But yeah, I just uh, it's so cool that she has been involved 
across so many sports and so many athletes that we don't even know about, but like on the women's mm. team, like I feel like the U.S. women's national team, soccer team is who I'm talking about, has like captivated America's attention for the last 20 years. Yeah. In ways that like the men's team has not been able to do. Yeah. With the exception of maybe one World Cup, uh, maybe one even Olympic run. But uh, it's been pretty cool. And it's cool to think that uh, she has been behind that from like a sports psychology perspective. So Mm -hmm. I, I was such an honor to talk to her. Yeah. Okay. This has gone on for a little while and I've made you uncomfortable. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Please do. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, If you're enjoying the show, please do leave a rating and a review. We really appreciate it. It's a huge help. Um, But otherwise, we will talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye.